Osiris. David Goldstein. I am Brian Brinkman. You're tuned into a bonus episode of Beyond the Pond. Generally speaking, this is the uh, podcast in which Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish to introduce the listener to other bands, generally non-jam bands, that would think that they might be interested in. Because as you know, we love Fish. We are Fish fans. Sometimes Fish fans get a bit myopic. And only listen to fish. So we try to uh, link them to some other bands. However, it's not entirely what we're doing this episode. Brian, what you got? Yeah, this is a bit of a uh, special episode here. So about uh, 10 days ago, as of recording, I had the chance to go and see Humphreys McGee up at Red Rocks. And I had a really cool opportunity to sit down backstage with... Uh, keyboardist in the band Joel Cummins for about a 30-45 minute interview. Got to go over some questions I'd always had about the band, talk a little bit about his personal influences from a musical standpoint and kind of where he got started as a musician from a serious level and then um, got to spend a little bit of time towards the end talking about um, what he's listening to nowadays, what he recommends both fans and and musicians everywhere I'd be getting into. So it was a really fun interview. It was a really cool experience. Um, going backstage at Red Rocks was super, super awesome. And actually where Joel was sitting when he and I were talking, there was this big picture of Trey right behind him, just smiling, uh, playing guitar at Red Rocks. So that was a pretty cool marrying of, uh, of experiences. Um, it, was, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, I've uh, been on the Umphreys train since I want to say about 2014. I kind of tried to get into them earlier didn't really stick I was a little me being a longtime fish fan a bit jaded but I think also as Humphreys has gotten older they've uh, become much better musicians they write better songs they do better jams and in 2014 it just completely clicked for me yeah you know I'm, I'm similar to you I'm a little bit behind you I, I actually I saw them play at like a backyard barbecue festival in Chicago in 2003 and um, I was blown away. And then um, when Fish broke up in 04, I kind of went in a very different direction musically and I really just left kind of the jam band community behind. You know, a lot of the music that you and I talk about here kind of started for me during that period in time. And when Fish got back together, I jumped back on the fish train and didn't really have much space in my kind of musical listening for another band that was going to play 15 to 20 minute songs and i saw them at some point in 2014 and was definitely intrigued the light show was really professional and amazing at that point in time and um, you could just tell that they were super super tight and talented but um this last show that i saw was really like it, it reminded me of the first time I heard Fish in the sense that it was just this eye-opening experience. Um, seeing a band connect, seeing a band jam on a level that they were, 
Um, they played, they opened up with the song Gurgle into Dump City, and like six minutes into Dump City, they were in a major key bliss jam. And I was like, this is the type of thing I've always wanted to see Fish do. Um, I've learned since then that the song Women, Wine, and Song is not a jam vehicle and was like a 10 minute long rocker. Ocean Billy was huge. Uh, Wappy Sprayberry was like, you know, seeing Fish play one of their big songs like mid-second set was just such a cool experience um and then the all-in-time encore just left me with a, such a huge smile on my face yeah for me Umphreys they scratch a different itch than fish does uh because they're both jam bands and they kind of both draw similar crowds but i kind of like to say if we're talking if we're comparing them to food if fish is like a five course meal at like a three-star michelin restaurant then Umphreys is more like a buffalo chicken pizza with like two forty ounces on your couch and your boxers. And uh, <laughs> I love both, but I like both at different times. But when Umphreys is on and they're together and on the same page, they sound like they're shot out of a fucking cannon. And I think that's all something that we could use a bit more of in our lives these days. Yeah, I will say it, and I'll attribute some of this to you. Um, since we started our podcast, my appreciation and interest and just overall love for bands like Rush and Yes and King Crimson has just oh, grown yeah. exponentially. And I think that that, in hindsight, was the missing link. Um, there's definitely, you, you have to have a serious appreciation for kind of mathematical progressive rock to really appreciate what Unfreeze McGee is doing a lot of the time. And I don't know if I had that in the past. And, and so I think it was definitely per their most recent album. It was not them. It was me. Uh, I just could, I couldn't connect the dots. And I, for whatever reason, uh, you know, recent influences i think the show setting i was there with my dad which was a really cool experience it was his first show at red rocks we were eighth row center um it was the exact type of setting that i needed to really like finally get that experience i've been you know definitely curious about it listen to a lot of their hall of fame uh compilations you've recommended a ton for me and uh, it kind of just all came at the perfect time which which was super cool to have to experience I'll just give some brief credit to Mark Lesh, who's uh, certainly, I guess you could call him my Unfree Sherpa a long time ago. He kept giving me shows. He basically wouldn't take no for an answer. And after a while, I was like, okay, I get it. These guys are pretty fucking good. But yeah, if you ever wanted to imagine Rush as a jam band or maybe The Police with Andy Summers actually being the most skilled member as opposed to Stuart Copeland or Sting or uh, Ying Wee Mom's team fantasy camp with Terry Bozio on drums and Steve I on second guitar. It's kind of like Humphreys McGee. They're big on the covers of Guitar World and Modern Drummer and they definitely bring an element of prog rock technicality and tightness that is otherwise kind of absent from the jam band scene. Plus they've got songs. So no there's a lot of uh, some new younger bands out there that have similar chops, but don't have much in the way of verse, chorus, verse. But one of the things I guess from Umphreys from about, yeah, I'd say 2011, 2012 on is that it's gotten to the point where the songs actually 
can match up to the jams, which I guess that's pretty important for me. Once I realized that they had some hooks, I was, well, I'm give them a chance. That's huge for me as well. Um, so yeah, so um, got like a 30, 45 minute interview here. You'll hear some stuff with, uh, with me and Joel going back and forth. Um, from an audio standpoint, just kind of of, of note, um, I recorded this uh, on my phone using an app and uh, the auto quality is not as ideal as we get here on Beyond the Pond. So I do apologize for that, but you will be able to hear it. Um, and I uh, hope that you guys enjoy this. Um, definitely proud of the fact that I got a chance to speak with Joel and I'm, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Right. And I gotta make it that. Like I gotta Where come here full time. We're up in Chafee Park, so okay. like Sunnyside, Highlands area. Uh-huh. It's a nice little awesome. spot. Awesome. Yeah, man. Well, nice work making the movie. It's been a lot. It's been good. Nice <laughs> hat as well. Thank you. Thank you. I figured I had to wear nice something. Comeback today. Did you see any of that? I saw. I saw a little bit of it, but we were sound checking for most of it. We too. were sitting there watching it, going, "This is like the worst game of the season." Yeah. And then it was well, unbelievable. The, the other thing is that the win doesn't really instill confidence in the team either. Right. So you're like, right. We got to win, but we did not deserve to win. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I, I yeah. said to him, I right when it happened, I was like, that was the worst win of the season. But I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, you got a couple of minutes. Yeah. So we can go to probably like seven ten. Perfect. So half an hour. I have a few questions. I just wanted to kind of like. Um, so I don't know if you're aware. So my podcast takes. Um, we initially start with fish jams, and the whole idea is to get people outside of the fish community. Outside of like just listening to fish, sure. Because as you probably know, playing an event like this, everyone just wants to like dive in, dive deeper, deeper. And yeah. you have a ton of influences as a musician. And I think one of the things that um, really drew me to talking to you about this is the more I listen to you guys, the more I hear this kind of step from like the Grateful Dead almost taking the first 50 years of the last century, fish taking like the next 20, and you guys taking like this MTV, Napster, everything is available at all times generation, where you can listen to all music at any time, right, and it can go right. from one thing to another, and you kind of like put that and be like a stew. Ah, yeah, sure. So my biggest curiosity is, you know, really based around your guys' inspiration, sure. what, you know, what you're listening to. I think that what we've found from a fish standpoint is it helps people to hear fish and then hear all this other music as well. Right. That they're, right. Never, that they're not exposed to. Um, but kind of just get started generally. You guys been on the road for like a week. How's it been going? Good. Yeah, we played uh, basically three warm-up shows for okay. Red Rocks. So we were in Buffalo, Boston, and Esbury Park, New Jersey. Nice. Uh, three really good venues yeah. for us and, and markets for us. So, um, yeah, we, we felt great coming into it. And, yeah, it's just nice to have a, a show like Red Rocks where you're like, okay, we've already, you know, we've got all the, the, the jitters bit. out a little bit. Yeah. yeah and and starting to feel a little more natural up on stage. You know, the first 10 times, 
you go to, you come to Red Rocks, you step on stage, you're like, oh my God, a little really? shell shock. <laughs> yeah, this is really, uh, but it, you know, it's a sense of awe and it's kind of surrealness too, um, because it's such a privilege to be able to do this totally. and to to bring our fans to this. You know, totally. people come from all over the country. Totally. They come from Colorado, but you know, this is a huge destination for people. Yeah, Absolutely. so. Um, yeah, so I'd say we're feeling great. I thought we had two really, really strong uh, first shows of the Red Rocks run. Yeah, I um, I loved uh, Thursday night, and I loved last night, too. Second so. set last night. It just felt like it flowed together in a really unique way. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a lot, of, uh, a lot of improv in the second set last totally. night. Um, which, uh, you know, this crowd is, this is what they're looking for. Right, they, want right. to, they want to hear the jams for sure in Colorado. Um, but yeah, we have, a, we have a lot of new music that we've obviously been playing over the last six months and now even the last two months with yeah. the, uh, the album that yeah. we put out in May. And, uh, and so that we're still kind of practicing those a lot, and like okay. getting them under the fingers and working those in. So that it's been a, uh, you know, it's always, it's always kind of a, little bit of a recharge to be able to to get out on tour and be like oh we have all this new material that people want to hear totally yeah do you uh, kind of on that point do you find most tours you need a couple shows to get settled and like do you find like surprises come up there that come back later in the tour from a musical standpoint or I don't, I don't think at this point we need too much warm-up what we do try to do is set ourselves up with like a little bit of a smaller show for the first show okay um, jumping into it and like you know having to play for 10,000 people in new york city like the first time you played the month probably not the best yeah, idea there's gonna be know? a lot of generous um, yeah. so yeah we, we kind of consider that sort of stuff when we're uh we're, we're booking our, our tours and routing so that you know we set ourselves up for the most success and comfort level and i think also you know we started talking about okay well what do we want to do in red rocks next week and so there's just, you know, having that conversation with everyone in person is still really valuable. Right. I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things in the age of technology, uh, having everybody in the same room working right. together, it's like it doesn't always happen like totally. that anymore. So, Do you guys spend a lot of time planning for like a show like this, like a run like this? Or do you look at this the same way you look at any show like on the tour? I think it, it and you depends. Just hope that something happens. It, it, it depends, you know, because we look at every show and say, okay, what did we play in this market, you know, the last couple times, okay. so that we don't repeat doing the totally. exact same thing we just did. I mean, odds of that happening now are pretty low, totally. but you never know. For some reason, it's like, oh, this song always seems to get played in Milwaukee. Yeah, this yeah. is like a song that makes you think of Milwaukee for some reason. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. an example. Um, but uh, yeah, so we we went through and. Um, we have this site called allthingshumphreys.com, yeah. and uh, it, you can do all of your stats. Uh, you know, there are probably a lot of uh, a lot of fish fans who are mm-hmm. very into that as well. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. so, uh, so we have a lot of fans that do that. But the band also uses it uh, to help create set lists and song lists for runs Interesting. and stuff. So, yeah, so I'll go through and like, you know, figure out what we played most recently in every you know uh-huh. every region and, and, and make sure we don't uh, don't repeat that stuff. So, you know, we want the the people that are coming to. 25 or 30 shows a year we want them to have that experience where they're not disappointed by oh you know this is the third weekend in a row i've heard puppet string right right, right. it's like we know it's a good song and people like it but it's also we have enough material at this point that we can we can kind of move things around and not repeat too many things well and that kind of leads me to a question um you know you guys really seem to thrive on fan service that's one thing that i love about you guys more so than really like any other band that I know, 
it seems like you guys are a part of the community in terms of the conversation. You're incredibly active on Twitter, talking with fans immediately after the show. I've seen you in threads with people talking about shows 10, 15 years ago, and most artists that like I listen to say, I don't even know what I played when I walked off the stage. You know, you seem like you have a real <laughs> fans appreciation for this. I say that too, this. actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, where does that come from? I mean, where does that desire to really like communicate with fans and with the larger community come from for you? Is that just like a natural thing? Are you just like sharing this like everyone else is a fan or? Yeah, well, you know, I think for me, I'm, um, and, and I think this is true for a lot of guys in the band, we're fans of music too. Totally. And a lot of times, you know, I feel like back in the old days, there was this kind of like, oh, well, if you become an artist, then, you know, you really shouldn't yeah, listen to other people's music, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, I think, I think that's out there for inspiration. You totally. should always be open to having those moments of inspiration by other artists and finding other music. I mean, we live in a time when there's more music available to listen to than ever before. Yeah. So it's it's pretty incredible, and I think we should take advantage of that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm so coming from that perspective of like I'm a fan of music too, and you know there are a lot of bands that I have in common that I like with people, whether it's uh, uh, you know like Fish from this scene or uh, or Miles Davis yeah. or uh, King Crimson or. Um, Radiohead, you know, where there can be a lot of fun conversations about music, and I, I think it's, uh, you know, the, that part of the social media of getting to interact with people, and then um, taking the next step and like actually hanging out with people and meeting them in person. Yeah. To me, it's the kind of taking the personal elements of technology via social media using that to have like a more personal relationship so um a lot of these people that i joke around with now it's like oh we've actually hung out in person yeah right, right right and so i think that's a pretty it's a it's a cool opportunity to be able to have those sort of things with somebody who really likes your music and um you know we're just we're just normal midwest guys okay. and uh you know we, we live in an age when um you know, it used to be the musicians would uh, make them their public appearances once in a while, and they would come down from the mountain yeah, and visit yeah. the people, and then they would go away, and that was it. And it's just, it's not really like that anymore. And people want to have that. You know, it's only going to help them feeling close to the music if Absolutely. they actually feel like they know you as a person a little Absolutely. bit. Um, I mean, as long as you're not like a huge asshole. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> there's, maybe, there's like a line that's yeah, got to be drawn. Right, right man, <laughs> really got to know him. I don't think I'll be going to, to yeah. <laughs> used to love that music. <laughs> not anymore. Well, and, and you said, you know, obviously you're still a fan of music. That's got to be a huge aspect of why you continue to do what you do. Going back, like, to the start, do you remember the first album, the first band that, like, really made you want to play piano and, like, really made you want to stick with it? Hmm, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't know if there was really a first. I mean, the, the the first inspirations that I really think of actually go back to my uh, my piano teacher Kathy Best at uh, the First Baptist Church of Western Springs, yeah. and I took lessons from her. And the reason I took lessons from her is because we would go to church and I'd hear this like, you know, it's like Bach cantatas and Mozart pieces, and I just assumed that's like what every church was like. Right. You know, right oh, everybody right. has this, you know total uh, uh, incredible musician that, that is contributing. And uh, so th that really inspired me um, early on. 
I definitely enjoyed rock and roll. I mean, like the first tape that I bought, I think was Van Halen, 1984, okay. at age nine or ten or something. Okay. But I mostly bought that tape not because I really liked Van Halen, but because their song "Jump" was the song WGN used as bumper music when the Cubs <laughs> games So it made me think of uh, you yeah. know that great Cubs team. Yeah. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, I also bought uh, I bought Purple Rain, and my mom eventually threw that tape out because. She, she didn't approve of the lyrics. Interesting. So, yeah, so, you know, one successful purchase, one uh, one that wasn't so successful. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, the, you know, the, it's interesting that you ask, like, so if I can move forward a little bit yeah, to yeah, the point right. where I really made the decision where I was like, okay, I think playing music is what I want to do for a living. Um, it actually came from the Notre Dame Glee Club, and uh, our director, Dan Stowe, is actually coming to our show tonight. Um, and he was, uh, it was his first year at Notre Dame, okay. and it, it, you know, it was kind of like a rah-rah barbershop thing before that, but he wanted to introduce serious music, and so we learned all this Renaissance polyphony, like uh, 16th century Palestrina, Jasquin de Pre, uh, Cristobal de Morales, and for me, singing all this like amazing polyphonic Latin music, um, we got to perform it and record an album in the Basilica at Notre Dame, wow. and that was what actually made me want to do music. And it, it's funny because it ended up being rock and roll, but that was the moment when I was just like, you know, singing this music and performing with a group is, uh, is a feeling that is completely like anything else. But I, I really enjoyed the, the group aspect of it, that there were, you know, everybody was contributing. And I think that's something that is very true for how Humphreys McGee operates, even though it's quite a bit different than Renaissance polyphonic uh, vocal music. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love bands that are greater than the sum of their, the, where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Totally. You know, I think that's true for a lot of the bands that I really like. And to me, that is that's the most compelling thing that you can find is a group of musicians that have a story that they've decided to share together with each other right. and to share with an audience over time. And, um, and, I, and I love that. So bands that can play their, you know, the uh, catalog that consists of most of their history of music, I think is, is, a, is a really cool thing because you've taken listeners on this huge journey. Show and, by you know, show by show. Yeah. You can hear a song you played 20 years ago, a song that you've, right, like, right. like two or three months ago, you released it. Like we, we played our song uh, Divisions yeah. last night, which is one of the first ones that we played live in 1998 and we hadn't played it since September of 2017. Wow. So, you know, it's definitely like one of our more well-known songs, but we were able to, you know, we have enough songs that we gave it a little break, but then coming back to it last night, it's like, oh yeah, this, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. this feels good. You feel yeah. it right away. Yeah. <laughs> did you like, encore with that? We did. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That the was first night. Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. I think um, you guys came out, I saw you guys at the Ravinia in Chicago. Right. Like four years ago. Yep. And you came out to, um, I'm blanking on the name, but it was, it was a classical number that you then brought in like very, very specific Humphreys riffs. It be, like, became more dissonant and dissonant. And then you went into Divisions. And it was like a 15 minute Divisions. It was a fantastic way to open a show. Nice. And those were the, that's one of those songs that like, it goes away and then when it comes back, everybody feels that sort of like sense of rejoice. Right. Did you find that you were getting a lot of demand from people or was it you guys just like wanting to play it like, 
Oh, a back. few people definitely pointed it out, so I was, aware, <laughs> I was aware of the fact that we hadn't played it at this right. point. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are a few songs, you know, that fall by the wayside. We'll get to August and be like, oh, we haven't played, we right, haven't played right. it. We haven't played it. We're in month eight of the year, and we yeah. haven't played it yet. We should probably play that song. Totally. Um, but, uh, yeah. Do you like, nice. purposefully leave a song dangling, just knowing that, like, a if you drop bit. it at a specific show, people are going to lose it? I mean, a little bit. We've, we've talked about playing Divisions at least a couple times in the past month. Okay. And it's one of those where Brennan really needs to feel he's like great. super super uh, confident vocally. Okay. And so if ever he's he's like, you know what, it's a little risky tonight, we're not gonna do it. Okay. So I think that's another thing. It's it's been on there and we've we've had to call a couple audibles. Uh, but yeah, the other night he's like, All right, I think, I think I'm feeling it. it. I think <laughs> I can do it. So I love that. So it was nice to get to that point and be able to throw that out at the end of the night, give give him a little uh you know, a little something for the effort for staying around, making it to Thursday. So it's funny that you brought up Kathy Best because I was, I didn't learn piano from her, but I sang in choir and she played in choir. Oh right. Did when, you did you sing under Bob Boyd? So Bob Boyd and Connie Lida were also yeah. hugely important in me really falling in love with music. And I would say the the choirs that were under Bob Boyd's direction taught me so much about dynamics oh, yeah. and the power of when you execute a group dynamic well and tightly, yeah. how amazing that can be. That's best. So there are very that few, is. very very few groups that I've ever performed in that had that level of precision, yeah. and uh, that that was an important thing to learn. Yeah, I grew up loving music. Went to LT for high school, and was kind of pushed into choir as like, just do this your freshman year. You get into <laughs> high school, right? and I didn't value until junior year when I was in men's choir, how incredible it was to learn under Bob Wood. Like how, like how he changed the way that I heard music, introducing right. um, Requiem to us, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and like we sang that in our, as our varsity choir. Is there anything like from them, like I, I know you said dynamics from them, but is there anything from them that you took that you still keep with you as you're playing music to, like, to this day? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say the actual music, like it's awesome with Spotify now, I've gone back and like, Listening to Ubi Caritas and um, you know some of these uh, some of these amazing pieces of music that yeah. I performed back in the day. Um, so I you know again I think I would just go back to talking about the group dynamic yeah. and uh, you know how powerful it is with six people on stage. I mean for a rock band that's a lot of people. Six right. people in a rock band is basically like a 50 person choir. Right. 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 <laughs> There's so much happening at all. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we're, we're really, uh, the, the thing that I think really helps us is having visual cues and having those talkback microphones to where we can communicate in the moment to do something that, that'll be a really tight effect. So, for instance, uh, one of us might say, okay, next downbeat coming up, everyone stop, just guitars. And so Jefferson Waffle, who's running lights, has his in-ears on as well, so he can hear us doing directions, and then he'll nail the lighting cue. and focus just on the two guitars right there in that moment. That's so, so wild. Yeah, so being able to create well, Then you have that, you basically have six people with you. I mean, yeah, that's like yeah. the fish now. I mean, you have, uh, yeah, you have like all the, you have, you have the lighting guy in it as well who's helping you guys as well. It's amazing. So I think, uh, you know, that that's one of our big advantages is we have the ability to communicate with each other live right. to, to do kind of cool little moments of totally. changing back and forth. I mean, people really like, um, something that we do that is, has been called a bounce back jam and yeah. so you know it's like we'll, we'll start with one idea we'll move to something else and then maybe go back and forth between these three or four times 
Um, but I love pushing to that moment where it's like, it's like, are they gonna go back? Are they gonna go back? Oh, they're not going back. <laughs> like, oh, they went back. And then yeah, everyone yeah. loves it because yeah. everyone's on that. Yeah. 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 So, but I, I, there's something to be said about you know, improvising in that sense of throwing different things and, and having a little juxtaposition and contrast um, because then people recognize, oh, we just heard that before, and you know, it's like it gives them a little bit of a story to hang on to okay. as opposed to just. An improvisation that starts here and it's just just linearly goes for 15 minutes and doesn't you know doesn't um, comment back on anything that happened before yeah. it. So well, it's um, one of the things I felt that listening back to last night's set, there's like a true arc to the set. It's like you guys actually went through like there's a flow to it that it almost feels like you created an album on stage. Ah, nice. Which is something that I love. I mean, you know, I'll get that with Fish, you get that with The Dead. That's something really unique to this genre of music, you know, right. the larger jam band community that, <clears throat> you know, you just don't get when you go and see a band. You know, you buy a CD, you love the band, you go and see them, you see those songs, they're out of order from what the CD is, because why would they play them in the same order, you know, for you? <laughs> for you guys, it's like you walk on stage and you can actually tell a story, and I love that aspect. Do you guys ever feel, like, what does a good show or a great show feel like to you when you walk off stage? You know, for me, it's it's mostly about like kind of managing that flow and energy and arc, and also having the moments of improvisation where we are taking chances and things work out. And sometimes they don't always work out. So part of having a good show can also be having one something that didn't go quite as you plan as you planned it to be, but that you recovered in a good way and you were yeah. able to move past something that didn't quite work out relatively quickly. I think that's, you know, being able to stay in the moment um, is really the big challenge on stage because, you know, when you have four or five different people who might be um, kind of musical directors in any given moment, uh, one person might be thinking we're going one way and one person might be thinking we're going the other way. So you have to be able to uh, to be willing to let go of your idea totally. and be like, okay, that was fine, but we're doing this. Right, 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 right. <laughs> It was good that you tried to have an idea. <laughs> it's like a conversation where, like, you can be making a really long, elaborate point, you lose people, and then, okay, we got to get back on track. Right, right. Yeah, so... I'm guessing to gauge. Um, so, you know, depending on the night and kind of how we're feeling as a band, there might be nights where we kind of lean a little bit heavier. There might be nights when we lean a little bit more toward the, like, the dancier side of stuff. And sometimes that's intentional, but sometimes it's just kind of... That's the vibe of how this group of songs, you know, we made a song list of 25 songs that we could use and, uh, and you know, then here are the 16 or 17 that we chose and that's what created the vibe for the night. Right, know? totally. Yeah. Um, I just have a couple other questions. Okay. Um, that's a great flag. <laughs> that was an amazing game. I so one thing that really interests me about you guys, you guys just celebrated your 20th year. That has become the norm now. Bands stay around for 20, 25, 30, 40 years. At one point, that was totally abnormal. Yeah. You didn't want to go see guys in their 40s, 50s, right. 60s. And a lot of that had to do with drugs, misbehavior, lack of focus, lack of partnership. You know, there's a lot of reasons that you can point to bands breaking up before they kept going. What do you guys see keeps you together and are there any bands is there any like oh, man, artists we, have, that, like, we have so many bills to pay okay. <laughs> <laughs> i just go for like a, that's, i get it <laughs> the 
practical answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, with a band like Humphreys McGee at this point, 20 years in, we've kind of created our own little world okay. of, you know, of music, of camaraderie. We've treated our business like a family, too, and I think okay. that's been a really important thing that, you know, we, we've had very little turnover with our crew. Cool. These guys are on the salary. They all have health insurance. So having that consistency of knowing that, like, we're all counting on each other and we're all going to do our work and we're all going to be there for each other. And then we all like each other and want to hang out with each other off the stage is uh, is really what it's all about. I mean, what else do you want from life, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the most important part, it starts with the musically we're still challenging each other and we've been able to, um, you know, despite all these stylistic differences, really continue to all push forward in a few different directions at the same time. And so I think... Being supportive of each other musically with the songwriting is, is really important. Um, but, you know, there really is like, it's like these guys are my brothers now. Right, and, right, right. Um, and all that hard work of, you know, there were a lot of years of driving around in a van and moving all of our own gear and, you know, no, no sleep and not getting paid very well and all that. And it's like, listen, we, we put all that time in because we hoped we would be where we are now. So let's not blow it now. Let's keep yeah. keep pushing, you know, keep writing music and uh, continuing to, to to improvise and push each other on the improvisational, you know, kind of kind of frame. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw you guys was at the Backyard Bash in June of 2003. Oh, okay. And um, I think you guys were setting up your stage, or at least oh, you Oh, for sure. Were, oh, yeah. It wasn't, there, it was we not did. like a... We didn't get a bus and a truck until like 2005. Okay. Yeah. So. Like it was very much. I felt like I was going to see a local band, yeah. but a band that like blew me away. That when I walked away from, it, I was like, that's like every sound I want to hear all in one. Um, but it was crazy to see you guys then like get up and like move your keyboard, and move, your, <laughs> move your amps, like. Um, so that's yeah. So I I totally get that. Um, <clears throat> so last question. I ask this for everyone. What are you listening to nowadays? Any new records? Any new bands? Anything that's like come back from the past for you that's really blown your mind? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, let's just let's just look at Spotify. There we go. It's the easiest way to do it. Let's see what's happening here. Um, I listen to like a lot of music when I'm flying because that just kind of chills me out. So, totally. Um, so I'm actually listening to like a lot of uh, vocal music. Oh, interesting. Uh, around that. Uh, let's see. So a lot of uh, Claude Debussy too. I really like listening yeah. to that stuff. Um, where's the recently? I recently played. There we go. Uh, Roy Ayers. I've been listening to you know Roy Ayers. I don't know. Oh man, like some of the greatest funk out there. He's still making uh, music, but like '70s stuff. Yeah. One with the funkadelics. Um, yeah, really great stuff. So I'd recommend checking that out. Um, Donny Hathaway still gets lots of spins. I love that. I mean, we, we share love for the stack stuff. I yeah, still, yes. I'll just put the stack stuff on shuffle, you know? And just keep it going. Yeah. It's don't, outstanding. Don't tell him that. He'll take my collection. Away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bill Frizzell is, gets a lot of yeah. play with me. I really love, um, you know, like Unspeakable, Nashville, East West. There's the best of folk album okay. that I listen to a lot. Dig that. Listen to King Singers. Uh, let's see, Hug of Thunder, Broken Social Scene. Nice. Great um, album. I was listening to the new John Coltrane, the last album yeah, that yeah. just came out. Um, Best of Edgar Meyer, I yeah. was checking out. Uh, that's a really good, it's a good playing album. Um, Snarky Puppy, yeah. great band, <laughs> listen to those guys all the time. 
the Social Network, which is by Trent Reznor. Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, that first that track. I, I, I like listening to that for some of the sounds. Uh, I, remember, I think you and I talked recently about um, music for airports. Oh yeah, Bernie. That, that right? first track on the Social Network always takes me to that. That like uh-huh, the way the piano right? is just it's hanging there. Uh, Miles Davis, Dark Magus, live at Carnegie Hall. Uh, Robert Glasper, I like listening to his stuff a lot. Maurice Dur- Duraflay, The Requiem. Uh, I listened to Jan- Janelle Monet's Dirty Computer. God, that was that's such cool. a great album. Um, Local Natives. Yep. Big fan of those guys too. LA Man. Yep. Uh, Anomaly, you know who Anomaly is? I've heard. Uh, DJ, great yeah. stuff. Metropole, great album. Uh, so there you go. There's all the, uh, the re- and Pantera because we were uh, we played uh, uh, Walk as a little nice. football. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's amazing. So. I can see you guys really hitting that hard. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, that was a really fun that's one. That's gonna be really fun. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time so much. Uh, oh yeah, thank we're you, Brian. for tonight. This is gonna be great. Appreciate it. Yeah, to all the music lovers out there, I hope you find something in Humphreys McGee that you like. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but you know neither is Scotch. There you go. <laughs> is there a jam, particular jam that you'd recommend us uh, playing out for people? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, let's do something. Let's do something recent. Let me let me see what what is something that I've liked from the last couple nights, right? Yeah, that's work, well, works perfectly. Might as well pick something from Red Rocks.
Hope you enjoyed that that interview with our own Brian Brinkman with Umphreys, Umphreys McGee keyboardist Joel Cummins. I certainly enjoyed it and learned a few things about Umphreys that I did not know. Yeah, it was a ton of fun to sit down with Joel. He's um, one thing you'll hear you, you heard you heard in there. Um, Joel and the Umphreys the Umphreys guys are like they're just so good at fan service and they seem so excited to engage with the community and be a part of the larger community. And it's something that I just really admire from them as a band um, and really respect. It's something you just don't see every day with, uh, um, you know, rock stars on that level, I guess you would say. At the end of the day, they're all just dudes. And they happen to be very nice guys at that. So we hope you enjoyed the interview. On that note, I'm David Goldstein. I am Brian Brinkman. And come back next time. I'm not exactly sure when this bonus episode is going to run, so I'm not going to tell you one week or two weeks, but rest assured, we will come back. We will join hands. We will talk about fish, talk about some other bands most likely, and go beyond the pond.
Osiris.